Well, friends, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. It is just an honor to get to share God's word with you today. We are in our second week of this series, Journey of Faith. It's called this because that's what our Christian life is. It's a journey. It's not like you give your life to Jesus and you're just there instantly, right? For all of us, there's this long progression of growth to be more and more like Jesus. It's just like you get married, right? You get married that day. It's not like you are perfectly in love forever and you don't do any work, right? No, the work begins right then, right? And that's how it is in our faith. It's this ongoing process of growing more and more like Jesus. You don't just drift towards holiness, okay? Any more than you drift towards any other great thing in your life. I mean, whatever you're good at, you didn't just drift there. It didn't just happen one day, right? You didn't wake up one day with a great jump shot or the ability to drive a golf ball 300 yards straight, right? You didn't do that. You didn't wake up one day just good at your job or good at something else that you love to do. It it took effort. It took a process. And I believe that God calls us all to that kind of journey, that kind of process in our own lives. Whenever you're doing something, the method matters. The way you're doing it matters. The method matters. Of course, it's no surprise that I would say the method matters because I'm a Methodist pastor, right? We're kind of known for this methodical type of stuff, right? Uh, but, but the, and, and method matters in, in everything you do. It's why your math teacher made you show the work, right, back in high school, right? Because the method matters. The way you do it matters. It's why mom made you scrub behind your ears in the bathtub, right? The method matters. Or when I was learning to mow the lawn when I was a little guy, my dad stood out there and made sure the lines were all straight, right? I was five years old for crying out loud. I think that's illegal now, but then it wasn't. But the method matters. The way you do it, it matters. This is true of everything in life. But if we're honest, when we're growing in our faith, sometimes God's methods, sometimes they may not even make sense to us. Sometimes they may challenge us or it may be difficult. For example, in James, it says that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. So we want to grow in our perseverance in faith. It often happens through testing, through difficulty. And we're like, I don't know that I want to grow then. I would rather have it easy, not have testing, right? I I don't know that I even like that. Well, do you remember uh, the old movie, The Karate Kid? Any fans of that movie here? Yeah. It's a, that's right, exactly. You got it. You got it. Mr. Miyagi taught Daniel that exact thing, right? Wax on and wax off, right? And, and so in this movie, uh, you might remember that Daniel was getting a little fed up with the methods. He wasn't so into the methods that Mr. Miyagi was teaching him. He thought they were, well, a waste of time, tiring, boring, because Mr. Miyagi was having him wax the car, sand the deck, right? But it was all for a purpose. Let's check this out. Now show me wax on, wax off. Aye. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look at my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on. Wax off. Show me painter fence. Up, 
Done. Up. Done. Up. Done. Other side. Look eye. Always look eye. Show me paint the house. Side, side. Black wrist. Side, side. Side, side. Yes. Show me wax on, wax off. Yes! Show me painter fence. Cash! Face! This! This! Show me side to side. This! 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 Show me sand of floor. Cash! Face! 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 Methods look a little different when you're under attack, right? It's no more just going to wax on that. No, no, no. These methods matter. And he learned that, it, and see, it's the same for us, that when our faith is tested, we see more and more the value of these methods. As life goes on and we go through difficulty and hardship, we see why we need these things to help draw us closer to Jesus, to help us live the way that he's calling us to live. Now, it's, you're probably not surprised that I think methods matter because, well, I'm a Methodist pastor, right? You know, like, shocking, right? We care about this stuff. And really, it's an important part of our history. Um, one of the things we're doing in this series is looking at the life of John and Charles Wesley. John Wesley's theology is really kind of a foundational stone for us as a church, right? Our church is based on the Bible and John Wesley's interpretation of that. That's not changing. That's something that means so much to us. And we want to understand, uh, like, how did they live this out? And John and Charles were interesting because when they went to Oxford University where they were studying, uh, they began some practices uh, that would help them and would ultimately be part of Methodism and things that we even do today. They began to meet together, uh, the two of them and some other friends, just a few of them, they would meet together in like what we would call a band. We got that term from them. And it was a small group that they would hold each other accountable in. So they would talk about what they were reading. Uh, they would confess their sins to each other. They would practice Holy Communion together. And they would help the poor. And th they would meet together and do this. They do this literally like three, four nights a week, right? So they were serious. Like this is pre-Netflix, right? This was a big deal to them. They wanted to put this as a priority in their life and, and, and hope that, that God would use these kinds of things, these methods, to transform them. And, and their peers, however, were not so impressed by these methods. They, they made fun of them. They called this little group the Holy Club, right? Which sounds like something you could get beat up for being part of, right? The Holy Club. Or also they called them Bible moths. I don't even understand Bible moths. That's just a, that's a strange insult. Although the uh, third thing they called them was Methodists. And it stuck, right? We took what was an insult and eventually called ourselves that. I'm really happy we didn't go with Bible moths, right? Would have made for some very strange branding. But Methodists we are. And, and so they continued to live this out. And they, John Wesley would talk about something called means of grace or, or channels of grace, we might say. 
These means of grace or channels of grace are ways that we experience God's grace in our lives. How do we directly grow in our faith? How do we directly experience God's grace? Well, there's so many things. We give our life to Jesus, right? It's God's justifying grace that saves us right in that moment. And, and then we are baptized, and that's a key sacrament, a key means of grace where we experience God's grace, and it's totally unique. It's, a, it's an awesome, transformative thing. And, and, and then we practice another sacrament, Holy Communion, uh, throughout our lives. We do that at least every month here at church, and that's one of the means of grace. Uh, but there's more than just those. In fact, we talk here, we've talked for a long time and continue to about six habits, and I love these. They're so good because these are means of grace, channels of grace in our lives that God uses to draw us closer and closer to Him. And I believe so much in every one of these that we spend time daily with God because this is a relationship. And if you're going to be in any good relationship, you've got to spend time together. You've got to talk. You've got to listen. You've got to be together. So we spend time every day with God. Uh, second, we give generously of our resources. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to, to others. Third, we participate in a small group. Just, we were just talking about Wesley participating in that. We have our life groups and bands. and These are things that are so transformative, and we believe in the power of them uh, here at this church. Fourth, we share our faith. Because our faith is not something we're just supposed to like keep stuffed inside of us. It's not just a little secret thing. No, this is something we believe that brings hope to the whole world. And when you have something great, you want to share about it with your friends and with your family and with your coworkers. So we do that. Next, we serve in a ministry because God uses us. Every single one of us as we serve, God uses us to build his kingdom. And that's amazing that God is actually working in and through us. And finally, we worship God. It's what we do right here. But it's not just in here, but that's the purpose for which we gather every single Sunday. We believe in these means of grace, these channels, because the thing is, we all need this. Because if you don't participate in these means of grace, you'll find that your faith may grow kind of stale and may seem kind of less important and less of a priority. And maybe you're just kind of, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're in that position. You look at those things and you're like, yeah, I, I don't really prioritize many of those in my life. And, and honestly, my faith feels like I'm kind of phoning it in from time to time. It's not what it once was. Or maybe it's not what it could be. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe God brought you here today to wake you up to one or more of these practices to remind you of his call in your life, to, to use this to transform your life even today. Because I believe that God can and will do that. I believe that when we give our lives to Jesus, that he wants to change our lives, not just in that instant, that's part of it, but also throughout the rest of our lives to help us to grow more and more like him, to be holy as he is holy. John Wesley would challenge people to practice us to practice these means so we don't stray from God. He would talk oftentimes about Malachi chapter 3 verse 7 where the Lord says this, ever since the days of your ancestors you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
So God's kind of calling Israel out, and he's calling them to return to him, to return to these practices. The context there is tithing, where we give 10% of our income to the Lord. That's one of the means of grace. There's so many of them. And God's challenging us all today to return to these means of grace, these things that draw us closer to God. Because we believe something, uh, I think, is a very powerful thing about salvation. We believe that it's free. It's absolutely free. You cannot earn your way into heaven, okay? You cannot just work so hard that your goods outweigh your bads, and now, oh, God has to let you in because you passed. It doesn't work that way. Because our sins separate us from God. God's perfect. I'm not. And so I need to be saved by, by God's power, by Jesus' sacrifice. So salvation is free, but it's also costly, okay? Costly in that I'm saying that Jesus is my Lord. That means I am not my Lord anymore. I'm not the boss. I don't just live for my own self. Instead, I want to live the way that Jesus calls me to live. I want to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's costly, but it's worth the cost because it's the best life ever. Not the easiest life ever, but I strongly believe that God who created us he knows better than we do about how we should live. And he, his ways are better than our ways. They're, they're higher than ours. And, and if, you're, if you've been kind of phoning it in, if this is something you're like, well, maybe I'll just wait, right? Like, I'll, I'll kind of I'll give my life to Jesus now, but in terms of getting serious about my faith, like, I don't have time for that now. I got all this stuff going on. My job's busy. My family's busy. My whatever it is are busy. And Someday I will retire, and then I'll have time to do that, right? Like, then I'll get serious about it. Well, that's not how it works. It's not something that you just phone in throughout your life and then hop into it at the end. It's a relationship. I mean, would you say to your spouse, hey, you know what? Our relationship, honestly, is not really important to me right now. It's not a big priority. But someday when we retire then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll consider loving you more, right? Spending more time with you, like talking to you, all this. I don't really want to hear it now, but maybe when we retire, maybe I'll feel like it then. That's not going to work. That's a bad plan, okay? It's, it's, it's not how relationship works. It, it takes more effort than that. In 1980, uh, at the Boston Marathon, the women's division, women's division was won by a Cuban woman named Rosie Ruiz, and she finished with a time of just a hair over two hours and 31 minutes. Think about that, running 26 miles in just a hair over two and a half hours. That's crazy, like that's incredible. In fact, at the time, it was the third fastest female time in history, right? And there she is right after the race. She's got the crown, right? They're, they're congratulating her, all this good stuff. And they would go right after that picture, they would interview her and they'd ask her about the race. And, and it was amazing because she had one of the most incredible, like, final kicks in history. She was just flying, just flying. Like, how did you do this? How did you have this much energy? How is this possible? And, and she's quoted, and she said, well, I guess I woke up with just extra energy this morning. People are like, wow, this is amazing. In fact, if you look at her, she's, I mean, she's sweaty, but only so sweaty, right? Like, you don't even make it look like it was all that hard. As they talked to more people and other front runners. None of them could remember seeing her running with them throughout the rest of the race. So they were looking back, well, where did she, you know, how, how much of a comeback did she make? And as they asked her about various parts, her details were kind of foggy uh, about, about the race. 
And then two Harvard students came forward who had been watching the race from the 25.5 mile mark. And they remembered her when she ran through the crowd out into the race and began her marathon 25.5 miles in. It's not how it works. She lost the crown. She was embarrassed because you can't win a marathon by running half a mile. If so, we'd all be marathon runners, right? It takes more to it than that. And friends, to really grow in faith, it's not just a half-mile sprint at some point in life. It's not just a decision you made a long time ago. It's not just a decision your parents made. It's not just something that maybe you'll put off someday, maybe get serious about it. No, this is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey, and it's worth it. It's worth it. And it's because it's not something that you can just shortcut your way into. And I believe that a church should be made up of people who are at all different places on that journey. We, have, we are so blessed to have so many folks here who are just, uh, I'd call them saints, folks who have followed Jesus for so long, so faithfully, decade after decade after decade. And this church is a strong place because we have so many of those folks who lead us and who have led us for generations. What a gift. What a blessing that uh, that is. But we also have folks who are part of the way through that journey or maybe early in that journey or maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even know if I'm on the journey yet. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're exploring that with us because I think these are the best questions, the best things you could explore in your whole life. One time I was at at the pharmacy waiting in line and I struck up a conversation with somebody. The line was kind of long and they asked me what I did, and I told them, and like, you could kind of tell, like, it's always interesting when I say that, like, I'm a pastor, right? It always changes things, right? Like, you know, sometimes like, oh, that's awesome, I go to such and such church, and blah, 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 you know, and occasionally I'm embarrassed, they're like, yeah, I go to your church. I'm like, oh, no, I, that's, that's the worst. I hate that, honestly. Uh, and then other times, it's like this person where it was a little tense, right? You could tell there was something, I don't know why, but there was something about the church that concerned them, and he goes, well, I have a question about your church. It's like, okay. He said, is your church one of those churches that has hypocrites at it? <laughs> and I said, well, I hope so. He goes, what? Why, why, would, you, why would you want hypocrites? I said, well, we're, we're supposed to be reaching people at all sorts of different places on their journey. We're a place where everybody's welcome. And yes, hypocrites are welcome because Sometimes I don't mean to be, but sometimes I'm one. And I'm not proud of that. I don't mean to be, but I mess up too, right? And, and so, yeah, our church is a place where everybody's welcome. And I hope, that, I hope that you'd be welcome too. I hope that you'd check it out too. We're on a journey. We're on a journey of faith. And wherever you're at today, friend, God's calling us to take that next step forward. That's what faith is always about. It's about taking that next step forward to be more and more like Jesus But here's the thing. If you're on a journey, it takes intentional effort. You don't ever just get to the right place with no intentional work or effort. I mean, if you set out to drive from New York to California, that's going to be a journey. That's going to take some time. You're not going to make it in a day. You're not going to make it without effort. And it's going to have to be intentional effort. If you just get in the car and you just start driving... And you're just like, well, we'll just kind of see how this goes, see where I end up, see what happens, you know. Someday you're probably going to find yourself like up in Canada or something. And if you say, oh, I'm on a journey from New York to California, they're like, no, you're not. (laughs) This is not how you get there, right? 
So to say it's a journey doesn't mean that it doesn't require something of us. Like we say things in our culture, right? Like diet starts tomorrow, right? Like I'll get serious, but not today. The diet starts tomorrow. And if you take that approach to your faith, like, yeah, I'll get serious about it. Those six habits, those are great for pastors and like, I don't know, other people who take this, but, but not for me now. Someday I'll get on it. I'll get on it. Diet starts tomorrow. We never just kind of drift into greatness in anything. The things that you're great at, you didn't just drift there. You, you don't have the job you have because you just phoned it in every day. You, you didn't learn to hit a golf ball straight for 300 yards just by walking up one day to a driving range and giving it a shot. You, you didn't, whatever it is for you, it took time. It took effort. And the same is true in our faith. And it's amazing, it's amazing truth because we cannot earn our salvation. It's an absolute free gift of God. You simply cannot earn it. But by the same token, the journey of faith absolutely takes effort on our part. It's like marriage. I don't deserve to be married to my wife. I didn't earn that. I didn't want like somehow like I could do things that like somehow she has to be married to me. No, that's nonsense. But if we're going to stay in this relationship and have the best relationship we can, you better believe it takes effort. It takes work. That's what all relationships are like. And our relationship with God is similar to that. So this is why John Wesley was so passionate about groups, about Uh, whether it's our life groups or our bands, we believe that these are life-transforming. And and these things go all the way back to that part, to John Wesley, to our tradition there. Because Wesley knew that you can't do life alone. This is not how we were created to live. We're not supposed to be just like lone rangers here. In fact, he had an interesting quote that he said here. Uh, He said, holy solitaires. You gotta remember, he talked a long time ago. Their words are different. Uh, So holy solitaires, in other words, like, Holy Lone Rangers, okay? Holy Lone Rangers is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. Ouch. He continues, the gospel of Christ knows no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. In other words, you can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. It doesn't exist. It it, to say that I'm a Lone Ranger Christian, that I don't need others in my life, that I, I don't need to be, have like people in it, I don't need to be in a small group, I don't need a band, and that stuff, I just, me and Jesus, that's all it is. Wesley says that's like trying to say I'm a holy adulterer. Like, I'm often faithful to my wife. <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> Not okay, right? We, we, th- and he says, this is the same, we need this. We need one another. It's not optional. It's not optional. So Wesley put everybody in groups. If you became a Christian in their tradition, you were put into a class meeting. There's a group of usually about 7 to 12 people, uh, usually people who live close to you because they didn't have cars back then and all that kind of stuff. So there were single people, married people, varying ages or whatnot. And they would ask a simple question, how does your soul prosper? Or in, mean, in other words, how is your soul thriving and growing? How are you growing in your faith? And they would challenge each other to continue in that, and they'd support each other in that. If you, so you were in this class meeting, and if you missed your class meeting more than three times in a quarter, <laughs> you were out. <laughs> they pulled your membership. 
Now, you could get it back if you wanted to get serious and commit again, but they didn't play around. They didn't mess around. In case you're worried, I'm not taking away your membership if you miss your small group. Okay, don't, don't stress about it. But I believe it's serious stuff. I really do. And I think that if we had that kind of approach, that if we each said, this matters so much to me, that I want to be part of this because I need this kind of thing in my life, I think we'd all be closer to Jesus. I strongly, strongly believe that. They met in these groups. They, they also had bands. Bands are smaller groups. We have them as well. Uh, groups of maybe like three, four, or five people. Uh, something pretty new we started fairly recently. And I believe in bands so much. I'm part of one myself because in bands, we just get really honest with each other. Uh, they're people that we love, people that we trust, people that we know that they've got our back and we've got theirs. And we want what's best for each other. And so because we want that, we're willing to be very open and vulnerable with each other. Here are the questions they would ask each other. They were legit. They'd say, what temptations have you had? What are things that where you were tempted to sin in this past week? Second, how were you delivered? In other words, how did God bring you out? Let's, let's celebrate that. That's awesome that you were tempted. You, you didn't fall into sin. And, and let's, how did God do that? Let's give God praise. Third gets a little tougher. What have you thought, said, or done that might have been a sin? I like that. Because we're all great at justifying, right? Like, but was it technically actually 100% sin? Maybe like 94% sin? I don't know. Nope. What, what might have been a sin that you did this week? Let's just confess that. And fourth, do you have anything that you're trying to keep a secret? You're trying to pull the wool over our eyes on something. And bands answer these questions because we believe, we believe that these things, that, that these things draw us closer to the Lord. We believe in the life-changing power of this. James 5.16 says it this way, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We believe that there's power in confessing our sins to each other. We believe that there's power in accountability. We believe that there's power in honesty. I believe this with all my heart. I've seen it in my own life many, many times. I'll just give you one example. I can give you a lot. A few years ago, I went through a really hard time, a dark time in my life. I, I had a person in my life who I would say betrayed me. I felt very stabbed in the back by this person. And I was really, really hurt. And I was working on a process of forgiveness. You know, you kind of have to say over and over, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. It's not just always a one-time thing with certain situations. And by outward appearance, I was doing pretty well. I was moving on, I was functioning, I was leading, I was whatever. But inwardly, not so much. I was hurting I would wake up in the morning thinking about this. I would go to bed at night thinking about this. It was consuming my thoughts. And so I confessed it to my band. Told them exactly where I was. Told them how angry I still was, even though I didn't always show it. Told them about how sometimes when I would be driving in the car and, and this person would come to my mind and I would be by myself, that I would audibly say mean and nasty things without even thinking of it. That's how close to the surface it all was for me. 
And I told them that I hadn't told them for a while because I was too proud to tell them. Maybe that was the toughest thing of all to confess. And what I found was love, grace, forgiveness, people who prayed for me, people who supported me, people who text me every day to see how I was doing with my bitterness, how I was doing with forgiveness. And as I was honest with them, and some days were better and some days were not better, as I was honest with them for a long period, God used that to heal me, to change me. If I didn't have my band, I would have survived. I would have kept on living. But I wouldn't be who I'm called to be. I wouldn't have, I would have been stuck in the mud. And I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for their presence in my life. And this is why John Wesley believed in it. This is why I believe in it. This is why Anderson Hills believes in it. It will always be part of who we are because we are always on this journey. And maybe you're here today, or maybe for you it's being part of a band or a life group. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm not in one, and honestly, I need that. I need that accountability. Well, it's super easy to sign up. Just go to our website, andersonhills.org events. Just go to our events page. Uh, we've got a place where you can sign up right there. Or you can call the church office or see one of the pastors or staff. We will help you because we believe in this so much. It's so important. Talk to Amy after the service. She'll get you hooked up today. Uh, we believe in this so much. It's just central to us. And we believe in all of these steps that we take, this journey of faith that we're on, these six habits that we practice, because we believe that God wants us to be more like him. And I know that God wants to change me. He wants to change you. He doesn't want us just to be stagnant. He doesn't want us just to look the same year after year after year in our life when it comes to our spirituality. No, he wants to draw us closer to him, that we might be made more in his own likeness. So I'm going to pray here in a moment and just pray that God would be doing that work in all of our lives. But I challenge you to think about which of these steps is God calling you to take this week. Because if we don't take steps, we don't change. So God, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would even be convicting us right now. Maybe there's steps you're calling us to take and honestly, we haven't been taking them. And I pray that you'd help us to just take that next step forward. God, I thank you that you're not mad at us or you're not condemning us, but know that you love us and that you offer your grace freely to us. And God, I just pray that you would draw us closer by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would make us more like you, make us more holy as you are holy, God. We put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. We need you. I pray for our bands, that you'd help us to be honest with each other. And maybe if we've just been even phoning that in, God, that you take us to a new level of depth together and love for each other and trust in each other. I pray for our life groups, that you would move in these groups, God, that you would draw us closer to yourself, that you would strengthen us and help us to encourage and support one another. I pray for us as we practice these six habits, God, that you would just draw us closer to you by each and every single one of us. God, we trust you and we want to know you more. God, I thank you for a church that has such a strong legacy in these things. Lord, that for generations we've been practicing these types of things and you've been changing lives. Would you do it more? Would you do it more, God? Would you do it more?
Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.